Well, my challenge today was paring it down. <laughs> this thing is big. Go with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, please. We began last night on the subject of stopping the thief. We looked in John 10, and also we looked in Ephesians. Let's look again in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the uh, 26th verse. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be ye angry, and sin not. There's revelation in every word. This is written to the church. The saints at Ephesus. Would you need to write to Christians and tell them not to sin? <laughs> now there's several reasons why I'm asking you. Is this written to the is Ephesians written to the church? Were they a part of the same church we're a part of? Absolutely. Preach the same gospel, same Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God through Paul told them, among other things, be angry, but don't sin. And that's not even the end of the sentence. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's not the end of the sentence. Neither give place to the devil. Then it says, let him that stole steal no more. Now in John 10, 10, we saw... Jesus said, the thief comes not. And he had already referred to the thief or thieves and robbers repeatedly in the previous verses of this same chapter. Now he says, the thief comes not except for to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Amplified says, to the full. That you might have and enjoy life to the full until it overflows. And part of what we got into last night is the reality that we have an enemy, the devil, who's called the thief, who's called the destroyer. And uh, much of the church does not acknowledge this. Maybe in theory. But if you start talking specifically about the devil causing problems in believers' lives, many will look at you like you're strange. They don't want to hear about the devil. They don't want to talk about the devil at all. Which is the devil's design. They don't realize he's playing them. Because he is a master of deception. And he is a master at hiding. He is not open. He is, the Bible says, subtle. Another word for subtle is cunning. And the term is actually used in the New Testament cunning craftiness. Cunning craftiness, it said, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The devil never comes as the devil. He transfigures.
figures himself, the scripture says, transforms himself as a messenger or angel of light. One of his main tactics is to impersonate God. Because he has a God fixation in that he wants to be God. And he will never, even remotely, begin to get close. He imagined himself some kind of equal opposite of God. But he is a fallen, created being who's been now stripped and brought to naught and placed under the body of Christ's feet. No believer should ever fear the devil. That was a little weak, amen. No believer should ever fear the devil. If you know the truth, you realize if you stand in the place you're supposed to stand in and walk in the authority of that name and the power of the Spirit, he's afraid of you. Not just you after the flesh and after your mind, but if you use that name in faith and the greater one in you. He's afraid of that. Do you like that thought? He's afraid of you when you're walking in the power of the Spirit and the name of Jesus. I like what Brother Hagin said years ago. He said uh, he said some things about a false prophetess in one of his church meetings many decades ago, and said afterwards one of the uh, the pastor came by and said, "Oh, Brother Hagin, do you know Sister So and So was there?" And she was offended by what you said. And you better watch it. Because she'll put a curse on you. She's a prophetess. And she'll put a curse on you. Brother Hagin said. He, he reared back and said. I double dog dare her. To put a curse. On me. I've seen Christians talk about. Ooh I think somebody in our apartment building. Is a witch. And I think they done put the hoodoo on me. I think, I think, I think to talk like that shows you don't know who you are. And you don't know what you have. Let me remind you two scriptures. The curse causeless shall not come. But it will return. That's why Brother Hagin was saying that. He's saying, you try to curse me, you better make it your size. Because, this is just me paraphrasing, it's going to boomerang right back on you. And the scripture said, how can you curse whom God has blessed? You remember Balaam tried to curse people of God? He tried it on this hill, couldn't he? He tried it on that hill. Kings offered him all this money. Finally, he said, look, you can't do it. Can't be done. I done tried it on every hill around here. When God has blessed somebody, you just can't curse them. You can't undo the blessing and put the hoodoo on them. Come on, somebody said out loud, I am not afraid of the devil or any evil spirit. The greater, one the greater one 
lives inside me. And I have the authority of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But having said that, you don't want to go in the ditch on the other side of the road and act like there is no devil. Hold your place in Ephesians. We're coming back there. But go to uh, 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. 1 Peter 5 and 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant. That means You know, be clear-headed and be on the watch. Be on your guard. Why? Do Christians need to be on their guard? Why? Because your adversary, the devil. Did you know you have an adversary? There's somebody, I know it's not a nice thought, but every day of your life, the devil's trying to hurt you. He's trying to steal something from you. He's trying to rob you. He's trying to destroy something in your life. He's trying to kill something. And we don't need to be in fear of the devil, but you do need to realize when you wake up, I need to watch what I'm doing. I need to be led by the Spirit. Every step. The Scripture said, in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord, and He'll direct your paths. How many ways? A lot of folks think that that sounds too burdensome to them. But we're talking about protection. We need to live, abide, stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Right? We need to be in His protection all the time. Can you get out from under that protection? Yes, you can. By doing dumb stuff. And by not listening. The Lord's not going to do it to you. But you can do it to yourself. You think about some of the timing that's required. For airplanes to hit each other. Cars to hit each other at specific times and specific places. I mean the math. It's a setup. Again and again the enemy set it up. He choreographed it. He's trying to take you out. He's trying to hurt you. And, and how many times we've heard people say, you know, the, the Lord showed me. I saw somebody, a, a professional that had died in, in, a, in a plane crash recently. And um, one of their close, close relatives had a dream the night before and saw them having a crash and begged them and begged them not to go on that flight and not to do it. And they ignored them. See, the Spirit of God was trying to help them, is that right? People say, well, sometimes people say, oh, God protects me and I'm just going to go. He's trying to protect you if you'll listen, right? He's protecting you right now, but you've got to pay attention. Is that what this sounds like? Verse verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, stay clear-headed, stay on the watch, not in fear. Just in life, you don't need to be stupid. Earth is a dangerous place. It's full of the curse, disease, demons, and crazy people. You need to watch what you do, where you go, 
when and how you go. Now, if the Lord's leading you and you're doing what he said, when and where and how he said, he's going to help you. He's going to protect you. Is that right? You're going to be fine. You'll be blessed when you go out. You'll be blessed when you come back in. But you just get up and ignore him and don't pray and ignore leadings and promptings and checks and, and just yield to the flesh and do dumb stuff. You'll wind up at the wrong place at the wrong time and the enemy will be able to hit you. Steal something. Destroy something. Should we pay attention to the scripture? What did the Bible tell believers to do? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, you have an adversary, somebody that is opposed, who hates you. I know that's hard to believe. You're so wonderful, but (laughs) he hates you because you have what he wanted so badly and what he can never have. You actually are a child of God, a son of God, and you will be forever, and you will rule and reign in his kingdom we're, we're the kings he's king of. Hallelujah. We're, we're the lords he's lord of. We don't really look that much like it right now. But you just wait. Give us a few years. Or a few centuries. A few millennia. Your adversary the devil as a roaring lion. Walks about seeking whom he may devour. Man I'm so glad every time I read that word may. May, whom he may, may, can the the devil just devour anybody? Is he allowed to? And this is the word. He's only able to devour, steal, kill, and destroy those who permit him, who allow him. Whether it's through ignorance or some other thing, he can only do what he's allowed to do. And this is particularly true with believers. He's only able to do what we allow him to do. And that's why Ephesians says, don't give him the place. Don't give him the opportunity. And and what are you supposed to do? Verse 9, whom what? Whom resist steadfast. That means you resist and you keep on resisting. As long as he's trying to do something, you resist. Well, when do I stop? When you're done. Long as it takes, right? If he's messing with you for three days, you resist for three days. If he's trying to do something for a month, you resist for a month. As long as it takes. You don't quit. Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the devil will tell you you're going through some strange thing that nobody's ever been through. He's lying to you again. You're dealing with the same things that people all over the world are dealing with. Same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, uh, a truth that many do not acknowledge is that the devil is now the God of this world. Go with me to two places. Let me prove this to you from the scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, and then also we'll go over to 1 John. We need to lay some foundation. Sometimes people just say a thing. But they don't know why they believe it. And you need to not believe something just because you heard me say it or somebody else say it. You need to know it in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 3. 
says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine unto them. The enemy is called the God of this world. And he is influencing and controlling people who don't know the Lord through his agents, evil spirits. Four categories are mentioned in Ephesians. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and wicked spirits in high places. And through these, the devil being over these, the entire world is being deceived, misled, controlled by keeping them in darkness. Aren't you glad you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into, hallelujah, the glorious light and the glorious kingdom. Of Jesus. But if not for that, you would still be in darkness, not knowing, realizing your lost condition, not realizing you're being manipulated and controlled. Look in 1 John, the fifth chapter, 1 John 5 and 17. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but what we're talking about right now is not believed by most of the church. You say, what, Brother Keaton? No. They believe God is in control. And they are adamant about it. God is controlling everything. And no matter what happens, some way or another, it was part of his plan, and he must have had a reason for the hurricane or the train wreck. And you'll hear Christians talk at length about why and wonder this, and you won't hear in many of these cases one single mention of the devil. But God is not controlling everything on the earth. Come on. Have you looked around? You know where God is controlling everything? In heaven. You know what the crime rate is up there? (laughs) You know how many people are, are, are hungry? How many people are being murdered? How many people are being mistreated? None. 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 You know why? Because his will is being done. And he told us to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if his will is already being done and all the junk is happening, why would we need to pray? That it would be. No, the devil has lied. Christians have believed it. And preachers have preached it. But let's stop it. (laughs) First John 5 are you there all unrighteousness is sin 
There's a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sins not. Are you born of God? Now this doesn't mean you can't sin. But you'll find out other translations talk about habitual. If if you're born again, your heart's not okay with sin. It's going to bother you. If you violate light. And you can't commune with God. And walk in darkness. At the same time. If you do make a mistake. You repent. You receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. And you walk in the light. Right? That's what he's saying. But he that is begotten of God. Keeps himself. From what? From sin. And that wicked one, what? Touches him not. Now you ought to like this phrase. That was weak. You ought to like this, what phrase? The wicked one touches him not. Can't touch him. Can't touch him. Can't touch him. How you get in, in such a case? That the devil can't touch you. Number one, you're a believer. You're begotten of God. Number two, you keep yourself out of sin. And the wicked one touches you not. I know some folks got questions. Hold on, we'll get there. <laughs> keep reading. Very next verse. And we know that we're of God. And the whole world lies in wickedness. Uh, Other translations say, the NIV says, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Several translations say that same thing. The evil one controls the whole world. Is that true or not? Well, God's not the evil one. Who's controlling the whole world? The evil one. God's not the evil one. Who's controlling the whole world? The devil. The evil one. The thief. But even though we're in the world, we're begotten of God. I come on, say it out loud. I, I am born, born of God. God. I'm born of God. Yes. You hear people say, you know, well, you know, we, we're all brothers and sisters of, of the same God. No, we're not. If you hadn't been born again, you ain't in the family. The Bible talks about two families in the earth. Jesus told of the most you know, religious leaders of his day, he said, you are of your father, the devil. And his deeds is what you'll do. You take after him. No, there's not one family in the earth. If you hadn't been born again, you're not in the family of God. You're in the family of the devil. You're in, you're under the control of the evil one. That's why the earth is in such a mess. That's why there's so much pain 
There's so much death. There's so much chaos. It's because it's all under the control of the evil one. Except for those that have been born again. That keep themselves. Those he may not. Y'all going to help me preach this. Those he may not devour. He can't touch us. He can't touch me. If. That's a big if. If we keep ourselves. Now I realize some of your modern translations make that read half a dozen different ways. Beware of modern translations. A bunch of them are not good translations. They are paraphrases. They are not good word for word translations. And a lot of, a lot of the ones you might like. I'm telling you, watch out for them. At least compare them with some good literal rendering. Young's is a good one. Young's literal translation. Doesn't read very easy, but that's because it's accurate. I don't want somebody telling me what they think it means. That's what you got with a lot of these modern translations. I'm telling you, they, they stray from the word so far, some of them. It's pitiful. So don't just read a modern and say, well, yeah, but it said this. Go back, check it out, see what it really said. He that's begotten of God, well, you're begotten of God, keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Go back with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. This is some valuable revelation, brother. How many want to keep the devil away? I mean, keep him where he can't touch you. What would, what would that be worth? What is that worth? Now, we've all had issues. I don't, I don't even have to ask you to raise your hand. Everybody in here has been stolen from. But a lot of it has to do with ignorance. Not knowing, not understanding, not knowing who you are, not knowing what's going on. And the enemy's counting on that. But we're coming into the light. And we're growing up. We're developing. We're not going to be easy pickings for him. Jesus said if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would have watched. Somebody say watch, watch. He would have watched and not let him get in. Not let him spoil his house. So you can be aware, sober, vigilant, watch, and catch him. Huh? He's trying to crawl through the back window. And he looks up straight into double barrels. The name of Jesus. <laughs> And he just backs himself right back out of there. Because he's already tangled with that before and he don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Ephesians. I said that to, to confirm and establish this. That the devil is in control of the world. 
It's just not going to last forever. It's but for a short time, God time, and that's going to change. But how did that happen? God didn't give it to him. How does the devil get placed? We're warned, look at Ephesians again. Ephesians 27 says, neither give place to the devil. That means you can. But it means if you choose to, you can prevent it also. Because he wouldn't tell us to do something we couldn't do. If he tells us, don't give the devil any space, any chance to move, any opportunity, don't give it to him, what does that mean? It's possible that we could do that and him not be able to get to us. Is that true or not? So what is it that gives the devil access? What what gives him place? He wound up the ruler of this world. God didn't give it to him. He stole it from our first parents, Adam and Eve. How did he get it from them? One word. Sin. One word. Sin. Back up to the previous verse. Be angry and what? And what? Can Christians sin? He's writing to Christians and told them don't sin. Right? Sin not. What's the the next phrase? Let let not your son go down upon the wrath. Then what? Neither give place to the. Why? Because that's how you give place to the devil, is by sinning. Don't sin and you won't give place. And there won't be any theft. Now. The enemy. Is very subtle. He's very cunning. He's very crafty. And so. He has influenced our current generation. Of teachers and preachers and churches. To the point. That you can go to some churches. For months and months and months. And never hear the word sin. Never hear it. And there is the thinking that, well, yeah, but God, Jesus, has already paid for all of our sins. So, past, present, and future. So, there is no longer any sin issue. That sounds right. Or does it? (laughs) Have you read that there's going to be a judgment A great white throne judgment. If God doesn't even see sins anymore. What's that going to be about? Scripture said if you judge yourself. You won't be judged. If God's not even aware of any sins. Why would that even be an issue? No there's some wrong doctrine floating around. Contrary to the word of God. It is true that Jesus has paid the price for our sins. Completely. Totally. That doesn't mean you'll be saved. You have to believe the gospel. And you must receive. Oh, come on, are you listening? You must receive the cleansing and the washing and the righteousness that's been given. And And if you're going to be free from condemnation, 
You must walk in the light that you have. Otherwise, your heart, not God, your heart will condemn you because you know you know better. And if you got condemnation, God's not condemning you, but your own heart's condemning you. If you got condemnation, that'll open the door. Come on, you say what I'm saying? Somebody said, well, Romans 8 says there is, therefore, put it up, Romans 8, 1, there is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Jesus, keep reading. Keep reading. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, I know some modern translations, they try to mess with that. So skip on down to verse 4. He said it again, just in case somebody wanted to argue about it. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who do what? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You're not under the law if you walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you're not under the law. If you're not walking in the Spirit, the law's a better idea than just fleshing out. It's still good not to lie, not to steal. Is that right? <laughs> but if you, if, we're not talking about despising the law. The law is revelation of right and good. What we're talking about is we got now the born again ones. We got the author of the book living inside us. You don't have to write down all the details. He will lead us. If we'll follow him, he'll lead us every day and every night. But if you're lying to everybody and hollering about you not under the law, you ain't being led by the spirit. You're fleshing out and you got a door open. Now, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, sweeping through some things quickly, but this is what the New Testament teaches. Amen. Beware of ignoring large passages. And you'll find if a doctrine is not right, it doesn't agree with other passages of Scripture. Amen. Which is why some folks with wrong doctrines then, it causes a problem. First John causes them a problem. James causes them a problem. Hebrews causes them a problem. So they come up with a new doctrine that those passages are not for us. Yeah. There are even people that say that Jesus' words are not specifically to us. I know. Well, because, because they say Jesus ministered, he preached the law. He did not. He did not. Well, he ministered to people under the law. They were under the law. Well, the law was until Jesus. It was not. The Bible said the law was until John. Am I quoting scripture? The law was until John, not Jesus. And read, read Matthew 5 carefully and see. Jesus said, it is written, or the law said, but I say to you. He did this over and over and over. Why? He's introducing the new covenant. Jesus' words are to you. They're for you. Do not disrespect his words. 
James is for you. Hebrews is for you. 1 John is for you. The whole New Testament is for you. The whole Bible is for you. Beware. The enemy has attacked faith. He's attacked repentance. And belittled repentance. Why? Because he knows that's how we can shut the door on him. If you, even if you've messed up, if you yielded to the flesh, you sinned, you messed up, it's not too late. You can repent. You can judge yourself. Bam! The door's shut. You won't be judged. Hallelujah! Somebody said, well, you, you sowed it and you're going to reap it. Not if somebody else did. Uh-uh. No, Jesus reaped what we sowed. What gives place to the devil? Help me out. You can sum it up in one word. Sin. But sin covers a lot of ground. Let me give you two. For one thing, you know, the Bible said transgression of the law is sin. And transgression of uh, all unrighteousness, the scripture said, is sin. Well, if the law said don't lie and you lie, well, that was sin under the law. Let me give you two New Testament verses about sin. James, I know I'm giving you a lot. Can you take it? Okay, I'm counting on it. I'm going to keep on, keep on pumping it. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Uh, James 4, 17. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not to him not to everybody to him why because he's violating what he knows everybody doesn't know the same things to him it is sin can a Christian sin yeah they can well if you do what do you need to do about it don't live in condemnation no don't act like God's mad at you. No, God, God's not the condemner. But your own heart will condemn you if you're not walking in the light that you have. Sin is violation of light. Depends on what you see, what you know. But don't act like you don't see something that you see. You might be able to fool some people, but and if you've been playing that since you were a kid, something come up and you go, oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't know you told me to take the trash out. Oh, it's Thursday already. That's, that's devilish. Lying's of the devil. It's one of the most devilish things there is on the planet. You can't fool God. You can't tell him you didn't know. Because he was there when he told you. Right? right? His spirit was there when he revealed to you the light that you got. Right. You can't turn around and say, no, I, what were you talking about? I don't know. I don't. He knows what you know right. and what you don't know. So yes, sin is still an issue if you don't repent. 
Not that Jesus needs to do anything else to pay for it. No. Go to Romans the 14th chapter. And the 23rd verse. These are New Testament verses. Written to believers. He that doubts is damned. That's King James. Condemned is a good word. Condemned. If he eats. Because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So no, we're not under the law. We're not trying to keep the commandments and and the statutes and the ordinances. But that doesn't mean we just flesh out and do nothing. It's because we've been brought up to a higher level. We're led by the Spirit every day. We walk by faith every day. We walk in love every day. Come on, are y'all listening? Can you see this? And honey child, walking in love and faith and being led by the Spirit every hour, every day will keep you occupied. Will it not? It'll keep you occupied. But if you're being led by the Spirit and walking by faith and walking in love, nobody will have to tell you, don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. You will, in doing those things, fulfill all the other plus. So this is how the enemy gets in, is through sin, which can be Not walking in faith. Did you see this? Which can be not doing something you need to do. Come on, can you see this or not? Sin lets him in. Go back with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis, the third chapter. And let's remind ourselves of what happened. How the enemy got control of our planet. Genesis, the third chapter. One reason I'm going over this is because he works the same. He hadn't changed. He he doesn't need to. It's been working just fine for him. Be angry. Sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Does all that go together? What happened in Genesis 3, verse 1? Let's see what happened. If you read Timothy, you know, among other things, that these two things happened. There was deception and there was temptation. Eve was deceived. Scripture says so. Adam was not. That's not because the male intellect is superior. (laughs) Well, why would it be? Because of the headship anointing. Did you hear that? The head of the local church. The heads of the ministry. The heads of whatever it might be. Why should you submit to them? Like the Bible tells you to. It's not because they necessarily know more scripture. Not because they're smarter necessarily. It would be because of an anointing. If God chose them, put them in that place, he put an anointing on them that's beyond them for you. 
Come on, are y'all with me? And if you let it, it'll protect you. It'll help you. The Lord said to me some years ago, he said, uh, my people are not getting the full benefit from my ministry gifts. He just said, my gifts. And he's talking about when he ascended on high, he gave to men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and what he gave them for. It's all for the benefit of the saints and, and development of the church. And as I pondered that, he revealed to me what he's talking about, that people don't give just like a pastor. Most people, church-going folks, they don't give their pastors the place in their life. Many pastors are hirelings. They're hired and fired by the deacon board. And so they're afraid to preach anything or do anything lest they get fired and kicked out of the parsonage. And it's just not right. But if, you know, and Phyllis and I, the Lord has given us things for our people over and over and over again if we have the place in their life. But we've had a number of people, they just come and tell you, I'm moving, I'm doing this. They didn't ask. Did you hear this? Somebody said, well, you need to tell them. No, no. If they don't ask, And the place is not there. A lot of times they don't respect the anointing. They don't respect the place. A lot of times the Lord's not even able to give you anything. They're not asking. They're telling. And some years later the Lord said this. He said, so many of my people are working without a net. What does that mean? He has these gifts in place to protect them. But because they won't submit to anything. They don't respect these things. Then if they make a mistake, there's nobody to help them. And they fall without a net. And how come me to get into all that? Shoo. Where were we? The serpent was what? Subtle. Cunning. Crafty. Do not underestimate how tricky he is. Do not underestimate how, uh, how subtle he comes and, and operates. It's, uh, the word subtle, like we said, has to do with crafty. It also has to do with the idea of being insidious and of gradual effect until it's gone farther than you knew before you discovered it. That's how he operates. He goes to great effort to hide, to disguise that it's him. Even transforming himself as though God's telling you this. That's how he functions and operates. And his plan is to have it go almost too far before you even know what's going on. Insidious. That's our enemy. Which would be why you need to be awake. Right? You need to be clear headed. You need to be vigilant. Because he's trying to do something. And uh, he said to the woman. Yea. Has God said. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Do you hear the, uh, the devilish wisdom? He, how's he starting off? Just conversation breaker and a question. 
No accusation at this point. Is that what he said? Seeing what he wants to know what you know. Because he can play what you don't know. Did God, first of all, do you know what God said? Are you quoting it right? Did you even understand it? Or when you, you, you say it wrong and he goes, okay, I can play them. They don't even know what God said. Did God say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Keep going. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of garden, God has said you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it. Lest you die. Then the enemy pours it on some more. He is a liar. Lying originated with him. He's the father. It didn't exist before he fathered it. There was a time lying didn't exist. Think about that. (laughs) There's coming a time again. When the father of it is going to be completely removed. From anything to do with us. Hallelujah. He said you will not surely die. You'll find the enemy is very technical. He's like die. What is die? You won't die die. (laughs) Why? He wants to get you in your head. He wants you to reason with him. Because he is a being of immense age and experience. And if you try to match wits with him, he will just tie you up in knots without trying. If he can get you in the mental realm, the reasoning realm, he can easily confuse you, mislead you. If you'll keep him in the spirit realm, heart realm, trust, faith realm, nothing he can do with you. He said, you, you won't really surely die. Keep reading. God knows. Now see, here without just blatantly do it, he's casting questions about God's intentions and God's care for them. He is the accuser of the brethren that accuses them before their God night and day. And he just does it in every direction. He accuses you to God. He accuses God to you. He accuses us to each other. And we don't need to let ourselves be played. When thoughts and feelings come to you, you just look at somebody and everything's fine and all at once this yucky feeling and this thought of maybe they don't like me and why didn't they smile and they didn't shake my hand. Realize what's going on. The enemy is trying to feed you and he'll try to do the same thing with them to try to give you some kind of confirmation. You're thinking that you got this funny look on your face and then they turn and look at you and go, well, what are they looking at me like that for? What must they? And the devil says they don't like you. They've been talking about you behind your back. Trying to get you to talk about them behind their back. He's always trying to start something. 
all the time between family members, between husbands and wives, between siblings, between church members, between churches and ministry. He's always trying to start something. Why? Because he knows a family, a church divided can't stand and he can come in and rob and hurt people, steal and kill and destroy. God knows in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened. You'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. Don't think you know this that we're reading. This is not a fairy tale. This happened with our parents. You're going to get to meet them before too long. You'll get to meet Adam. Your great, 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 great grandpa and Eve. No need to bring up the past. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> because, because you would not have done any better. Says, yeah, I think I would. The only way you could say I'd have done better is if you have never sinned. That's all they did. Sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which proves every one of us, sooner or later, would have done the same thing. Still, I still got, here's what people say, I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> you couldn't have known what you know now. You wouldn't have known all the pain that would come on the earth. They didn't know what dying was. They didn't know what death was. They didn't know what the curse was. It didn't exist in the earth. There were no briars. You could run through the jungle barefoot. Never even stump your toe. We're getting back to that. It's coming back. But notice how it happened. How did the devil get in? Do you know why I'm talking about this? How did he get in? Because the way he got in with Adam and Eve is the way he's gotten in with everybody else since then. It's the same way. How did he get in? Deception and temptation. Deception and temptation. He's a liar. The better you know the truth... The more full of the truth you are, the harder you are to deceive. The less of the truth you know, the easier you are to deceive and trick. And if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. When you're deceived, you think what you're believing is right. But it's not. Keep going. When the woman saw, now here's, the the devil is not in yet. At this moment in time, the devil's not in yet. He doesn't have control of the planet yet. He's close. What's he using? Deception and temptation. Deception and lying and tempting. The three areas that he tempted them in are the same three areas that he tempted Jesus in. Are the same three areas that are mentioned in 1 John, the desire of the flesh, 
the desire of the eyes and the pride of life. These are the three areas he works on to get in. But the scripture said don't give him any place. Give him no place. Number one, the desire of the flesh. She saw it looked good for food. The enemy's bringing thoughts and feelings to her as she's looking at this. That is going to taste amazing. You have never tasted anything. I mean, what this is going to do to your taste buds, to your mouth, to your nose, to your lips, to your stomach, flesh, flesh, flesh. This is going to give you an ecstatic flesh experience you have never, ever had. Desire of the flesh. All of us got flesh. And it was pleasant to the eyes. The desire of the eyes. How beautiful it is. And I'm sure the enemy tried to turn it so that the light sparkled off of it. And you talk about marketing. (laughs) You talk about presentation. Oh boy. And hides all the the negative stuff and just shows you have you ever seen colors like this? Look at the, is this beautiful or is this beautiful? You know you want it. You know you want it. You want to look at it again? Look at this side. Have you seen it from the bottom? Look at this bird's eye view. Have you seen Desire of the eyes. And then finally, the biggie, which is the one that we're going, we need to talk about even more. What biggie? The pride of life. The, uh, I believe it's the uh, Young's Literal that calls this the ostentation of life. Or the showiness, pride and showiness. And the reason this is always going to be a factor is because this is the very nature of the devil himself. He can't create any good. He can't bless you. He can't do good for you. All he can do is reproduce himself in you. And he is the proudest being we know anything about. And this pride, he he was able to breathe into our first parents. What was it? Look at the verse again. A tree to be desired to make one wise. What the previous verse? He said, no, you won't really die. You won't surely die. God knows. That in the day you eat of this, you will be like God. You will be like God's. Well, they already were and didn't realize it. He's trying to sell them something he could never give them. He's trying to sell them something he desperately wants and can't ever have. This God thing. He was the one who iniquity was found in. 
who exalted himself and rebelled against the Most High and said, tried to use faith principles of believing and envisioning and speaking, because he'd, he'd been around God, he saw him do this. And he said, I will exalt my throne. I will be like the Most High. I will be, I will be, I will be. And then God spoke some words back to him and said, you'll be brought down to the pit. And when his words hit God's words, his words failed. But he's never given up that impossible dream. He's still trying. He's still trying to overthrow God and be God. Even after he's thrown into the pit. For a thousand years. A millennia. The Bible said he's going to be loosed for a little season. The moment he gets out. He goes to deceive. People on the planet. And inside a rebellion against God. Which shows he will never change. Which is why there is no salvation for him. He just needs to be removed. To the lake of fire. And sadly. There's a lot of human beings. They'll come to a place where. They're never going to change. You don't know that. And I don't know when where that would be. But God knows that. And I assure you. If they're never going to change. You don't want them living beside you. They'll have to be removed too. In the lake of fire. With the one they chose to. Align themselves with. The one whose nature was reproduced in them. One of the things you and I need to be aware of to not give the devil place is this thing called pride. There needs to be much more said about it. Most people have not grown up being taught. Most folk grow up thinking that, you know, there's some pride that's good pride. Isn't there? No. Pride is the nature of the devil. God hates it. He hates it. I didn't say he hates proud people, but he hates pride. You should hate it. You should despise it. And you should realize because you got flesh and your mind hadn't been completely renewed, you need to let the Lord help you show you the pride in your life so that you can deal with it. I used to teach a course at, at Ramah uh, called Submission and Authority, and in part of that course we taught on pride and humility. And I don't know what the notes I got or how many students told me, you know, before your class, I never had any trouble with pride. <laughs> I said, yeah, you don't have trouble with what you just yield to all the time. It's when you identify it and start dealing with it, then you realize what an issue it is. You have flesh. So you will have to deal with pride or you'll have a door open. How does the enemy get in? Come on, help help me out. Sin. And what are the three areas that he focuses on to get you to sin? Yielding to desires of the flesh that you know are wrong. Yielding to desires of the eyes that you know are wrong. And yielding to the pride or showiness of life. You reckon you've ever yielded to pride? 
I'm looking. I'm looking. I got folks looking at me like. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Much more than you realize. Because the devil is the god of this world. And the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Which means it is the norm. Pride is the norm. In the ungodly world. Pride being tremendously proud. Won't even stand out in the world. In fact other proud people will encourage you. To be prouder. And there's so little light on it. That a lot of people in church. Are proud of how humble they are. (laughs) And how righteous they are. And how holy they are. Oh, good for food, desire of the flesh, pleasant to the eyes, desire of the eyes, desire to make one wise. You will be gods. You will know good and evil like God. That, that appealed to something in them. Come on, can you see this? Do not underestimate the devil's ability to deceive. He deceived a third of the angels. Angels who've been around the presence of God for who knows how many eons. How did he do it? I've often scratched my head. How did he? How could he convince them after after being around God? How could he convince these other angels that he had a chance pulling this off? How? You talk about a talker, smooth and intellectual, hmm? evil genius. The Bible talks about uh, evil wisdom in the book of James. So what, what appealed to them? We're talking about how the devil gets in, how doors are opened. Beware. Of things that emphasize you. Did you hear this friends? Beware of things that make much of you. Phyllis and I will just shake our heads sometimes. When we hear mothers and parents telling us. That their five year old. Their seven year old. Has been prophesied over. That they are going to have a ministry. Bigger than the Apostle Paul's. Paul the Apostle. They're going to get more people saved than, than Billy Graham and three or four other people that ever thought about it. You just start shaking your head. Why? The devil's setting them up. And it could be the child really does have a call on their life to do something substantial. But the devil knows if they get to believe in this, there's a door that they open. For him to come in and deceive and steal and kill and destroy. They believe this too much. The parents talk this too much. They they could be dead for their 15. Subtle stuff. A lot of times people themselves don't know they're yielding to the devil. Good people that are close to you. Like Peter. Peter came, right? 
When the Lord said, they're going to uh, crucify the Son of Man, and this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and, and uh, Peter took him aside and said, Jesus, Jesus, come here. No. Jesus, no. This, is, this will not be to you. No, you don't understand. You're the greatest thing that's ever happened. I mean, the kingdom of Israel's got to be restored. And no, Jesus backed up and said, Get behind me, Satan! Now, there's a reason I said it the way I did. Why would Jesus respond so strongly? Why? Even though Peter's not aware. He said, you get behind me. He said, you savor the things of men, not the things that be of God. Jesus wouldn't take credit personally for one message he preached. Did you hear that or not? He wouldn't take credit personally for one healing or one miracle. When the scribes and Pharisees came and said, how does this man know the things that he knows and teaches and preaches the things that he preaches? You know what a lot of folks would have said? You got to pray. While other folks were playing, I was praying. You got to pay the price. Got to pay the price to get this kind of revelation. That's devilish. That is devilish stuff. You know what he said? My doctrine is not mine. (laughs) My doctrine is not mine. The Father gave it to me. He revealed it to me. In fact, I can of myself do not one thing. Did Jesus say it or not? Come on. That's not trying to be humble. That's reality, which is true humility. Beware, pastors, churches, ministries, people telling you, you know, your ministry is the only one that's really teaching these truths out there right now. I mean, I'm telling you, if it wasn't for you, I guess this thing would go to hell in a handbasket. I mean, you, you're the only one. You, need, you, may, you may need to say, get behind me, Satan. You think I'm joking? Was Jesus joking? Why was he so strong? Because the devil is so crafty. He's so tricky. He'll try to come through people that love you. He'll try to come through people who mean well. Your ministry is going to be the biggest thing. I'm telling you, it's going to it's going to change the world. It's going to change the planet because you got a call. I ain't never seen a call like what's on you. You got an anointing. I've never seen the anointing. You, you should have been long gone. You shouldn't have heard the last three sentences. If you care. About the devil not being able to touch you. No, you, you, you're not hearing what I'm saying. If you care about the devil not being able to touch you, you will not tolerate any of this. It's so subtle. It's so dangerous. I knew uh, years ago in Brother Hagin's ministry in the healing school, I was studying 
the men and women who are used so mightily of God in healing years past. You know, turn of the century, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And I, I began to see one after the other after the other died young, died wrong, got off. And it got to a point, I was just a year and a half in ministry, and, and, and it dawned on me, Keith, these people knew a lot of things about God better than you. They experienced all, so many things beyond what you've ever experienced and known. And, and, and all these people were brilliant. If they couldn't keep from getting off and missing it, how can I keep from getting off and missing it? It's not just about intellect. It's not just about being smarter. These people prayed. These people knew the word. It bothered me. It troubled me. For days and weeks. And finally in the middle of the floor. In the speaker's room one day. It came up to my mind again. And I asked the Lord. I said Lord how. How can I keep from getting off. Like these did so many. And these. I know you love these people. I know they loved you. And the Lord said this to me. He said. Pride. Makes you susceptible. To deception. Obadiah says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. That's another way of saying, it lets the devil in. Pride makes you susceptible to deception. He went on to say, your humility is your protection from deception. Your humility is your protection from deception. He reminded me of what he'd showed me as a teenager in Numbers 12:3, the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. Yes, yes. And the Lord said to me during that time as a teenager, he said, did you notice Moses was the meekest man in his generation? I thought, yeah, I didn't realize that. I was reading through the Bible for one of the first times in my life. The Lord said, did you also realize he was the most used man of me in his generation? I saw the connection. And so I said, Lord, teach me about it. What is it? I, I realize I don't know what it is. What is humility? What is pride? I don't want to I don't want to have it. I don't want to yield to it. Didn't realize what I'm talking to you about now, but it's your humility is your protection from being deceived. And he began to talk to me about these individuals I was bringing up to him. He said, "Son, you don't know the details." But every one of these individuals, I tried to help. He said, I'm faithful. Is he faithful or not? He said, I'm faithful. If you begin to get off, you begin to think wrong, you begin to teach wrong, you begin to get confused. He said, I will help you. I will help you. If need be, I will send people across your path. The question is, will you listen? Will you be teachable? Will you be correctable? Because if you will, you don't have to be afraid you're going to get off and fall. If you'll be teachable and and, and be willing to repent and change and say, hey, I made a mistake, you'll be protected. Come on, can you see that your humility is your protection from deception? He even pointed out a couple, one, one of these individuals that I knew a little bit about had influenced my family who died young and died wrong. Well, now think about that. They died young 
in a car accident. What happened there? God took them? What happened? He wasn't very old. He's middle-aged. Died in a terrible, horrific car wreck. Ministry was going big. Now he's gone. What happened there? God needed another angel in the choir. God just wanted to take. No. The devil stole. Come on, are y'all with me now? We, we need to be clear on this. The devil stole. Stole his wife's husband. Stole his children's father. Stole the ministry's lead. Stole the minister who's ministering all these meetings all over the world, having all these miracles, stole from them what should have been years, decades more of ministry, stole, 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 stole. How was he able to do it? Because there are many he may not, and the one that's born of God, if he or she keeps himself, the wicked one touches them not. Can't touch you. What happened? I knew some people who knew some inside details about it. Two or three different sides of it. This individual began to teach some things that was confusing and misleading the body of Christ. And their elder came to them. Tried to talk to them. More than once. And said, the way you minister and the anointing on you, I believe it's at the forefront in the body of Christ. It is the most amazing thing. But brother, you're not a Bible teacher. That's not your call. Because the man talking to him was a Bible teacher and his elder. That's not your call. And this is confusing people. And, and you know, I, I really think you should just focus on your call. No, no, he knew and he had the revelation and a little over a year later he's dead. The Lord said to me, son, I'm faithful. I'll help you. I'll help you. If you're not getting it, I'll increase the volume. <laughs> if you're still not getting it, I'll tell you different ways. If you're still not getting it, I'll get some, I'll get your friends, I'll get your peers, I'll get your elders to preach on it. Come by, talk to you, go, hey, Keith, Keith, Keith. But that's not the issue. What's the issue? Will you listen? Because pride is an open door. Can you see that, friends? Do not let people go on and on about you. I don't know if you know this about Brother Hagen, Hagen Sr., who's in heaven now, but he really disliked that. Somebody going on and on about giving him this big, big, he's the greatest this and the greatest that. I mean, he would change the subject. He might walk out while you're talking. And I know why now. I didn't fully understand it back then. There, there are a couple of times I saw him walk away and people talking, and I thought, well, that's just plain rude. You know, I don't care who you are. <laughs> Of course, I didn't say anything. I kept my mouth shut. But now I see more. There's some things, if these folks don't know enough about the things of God and respect enough to listen instead of pushing this, you just need to walk away. Because the truth is, 
The servant's not above his master. If Jesus never took credit for one message he preached, why in the world would you get puffed up over it? Right? It's real simple. If it was good when you preached, it was God. If it was bad, it was you. Right? Right? It's it's easy. It's simple. Brother Hagin said... uh, in the days of the uh, what voice of healing and in the days of Brother Oral Roberts' tents and other people had tents and great healing move. He said there was a brother among them that had an unusual anointing in evangelism. He said they could be in a big conference and, and already have given an altar call and call this brother up and the altar call and fill up with hundreds of people. He said it was the most amazing thing he'd seen in that area. He had such an anointing on him as an evangelist, and people would respond by the hundreds and by the thousands. He said they saw it over and over again, and they were in a big conference one night, and sure enough, this guy got up, and and the altar just filled up. And he said after the service, they were talking, and and he said one of the guys was telling him, man, that's the most amazing thing I've seen in uh, in an altar calls. And he said the guy reached over and got the other guy's tie and said, yeah, he said, I tell you, when I can't get them, Nobody can get them. Brother Hagin was standing there and he said the Spirit of God spoke to him and said watch from this point his ministry will go down. And he said sure enough in just a year and a half or so you, didn't, you never heard of him anymore. Why? The enemy got in. Can you see this? The enemy got in. Give The glory to God. Not because you're trying to be humble. Because you don't deserve it. (laughs) And he does. Because you didn't save them. He saved them. You didn't heal them. He healed them. If they got revelation and light, you didn't give it to them. He gave it to them. If you were used somewhere in the process... Rejoice. You got a part. You'll have a reward. But you don't deserve the glory. You didn't do it. You didn't. Don't act like you did. Come on. And don't let people. Whether they realize it or not. And they may mean well. They may love you. Do not let them boast and brag and pump you up to be the greatest thing and you're going to be the biggest and you're going to do more than anybody else and you're going to reach more than anybody else that's the enemy setting you up trying to find access to you to hurt you and I found this you know when the Lord uses you and great things happen so many people are so carnal and God is not real to them flesh and blood is more real to them than spirit So they'll try to give the credit to you. And they'll just try to boast and brag on you. And if you can't always take time to correct everybody what they're trying to say to you. But there'll be times if people say too much. You need to get home and put your nose in the carpet. Anybody with me or not? Come on. You need to get home. You need to put your nose in the carpet and say, Lord, I know better. I know better than what they're saying. I don't believe all that stuff. 
I know without you, I'm nothing. I mean, without you, give me something. I don't have anything. I can't do anything. Without, I am completely, totally dependent on you for my every breath, every good thought. I know. And you worship the Lord. You bow, you prostrate yourself before you worship your God. Pride doesn't worship. Did y'all hear that? Pride will not worship. Pride doesn't worship. But if you really worship God, it'll help get that stuff off of you. Hallelujah. In his presence, it'll help wash it off of you. Praise God. Hallelujah. And if you really want to be used in powerful things, you don't want people looking at you. Because you know it'll mess you up. It'll mess up what God's doing. Hallelujah. Well, stand on your feet, I've. I've preached a long time. Hallelujah. I believe the Spirit of God is ministering to us this week so that we give the devil no place. No place. But that means we're, we're going to have to do something not to give him any place. And this is a, this is a substantial piece of it tonight. Close your eyes, say it out loud. Lord, I, I love you. And I worship you. I worship my Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. And I do want to learn of you. You said you are meek and lowly of heart. I want to be just like you. Reveal to me what is pride. Reveal to me what is true humility. Alert my ears, my eyes, my heart and mind to the devices, tricky tactics of the devil to lure me, to deceive me. To tempt me in these things. I choose you. I humble myself. Before God. So I can resist the devil. I humble myself. Before my God. Because I want to. I desire to. Because it's right. You are so great. And I'm completely dependent on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just worship him some in your own words. Just worship him. Oh, I worship you. I worship you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.